just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Got Armando Salguero coming up in 20 minutes. Looking forward to uh, chatting with Outkick's NFL writer. A lot to discuss. DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and much more. Dalvin Cook and what's going to happen there with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, that's coming up in 20 minutes. We got some really good suggestions on the YouTube chat. Always, you can watch yep. us on, on YouTube. Easy to watch there. You can interact with the show that way as well. But on who should replace Shannon Sharp on Undisputed, uh, the runaway winner in the YouTube chat is Draymond Green would be perfect if he stopped playing <laughs> in the NBA. That he would be yeah. the immediate call-up for that job. Yep. Another wild card would be Richard Sherman. Very who good. I think would be really good. That's very good at debating Skip and Bayless. Then you mentioned Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, and, and the, the other one I want to throw out there, Ocho Cinco. That's a, that's I, and, a good example. And you immediately Hutton said that that would be a good one. That makes sense. Yeah, I like all, all three of those. All three of those guys. So uh, I'm looking at it from this perspective: who's getting up at the uh, early, early hours on the West Coast for that show every day, right? And yeah. we'll put the prep in. That's the. Three names immediately. I'm checking the box for for that. Yes. Davey during the break said, you know, you back the Brinks truck up for Charles Barkley, but yes. I don't think Barkley would want to do a daily show that way. And <laughs> and based out of LA. He's an Atlanta based guy. And I, I just don't but it's not that Barkley's lazy. I just it takes a different right. mindset to want to do a five time a week with Bayless. Television you show with, cool with, with Skip Bayless, yeah. yeah. I think Barkley likes where he is right now, and he's about to start a weekly show on CNN to add to what he does with inside the NBA. Interesting uh, legal battle is going to be taking place between the Holiday Bowl and the Pac-12. And it stems from the 2020 uh, bowl season where UCLA pulled out of the Holiday Bowl last minute due to COVID-19. That's what they pointed to. Pointed to. And the Holiday Bowl alleges that the, the UCLA Bruins uh, told them that only three players tested positive, but they still pulled out of the bowl game. They're suing for like $3.2 million in damages. But here's, here's the interesting part of why this is happening now. The Holiday Bowl wanted to be reimbursed by the conference. There's a 25-year history here, partnership, between the Holiday Bowl and the Pac-12. The bowl wanted to be reimbursed that money. And when the Pac-12 didn't do that, the Holiday Bowl then withheld the payout for Oregon last year in 2022. So the Pac-12 said, hey, if you don't you know, pay up, we're going to court. And the Holiday Bowl has raced them to the door of the legal battle. Citing this, it, this is fascinating. It's the Pac-12 ACC matchup, and the Holiday Bowl is trying to get $3 million from UCLA well, th and, and the Pac-12. This came at a time, too, where you just got carte blanche if you just yelled COVID-19 right. into the ether. If you and said this was that NC as an State, excuse right? for anything, you NC got to State get away with it. was the opponent. I believe so. I was going to ask, because I remember Dave Doran was upset because they never had a 10-win season, and that would have been yeah, the chance to go I, for 10. I, was, I, I couldn't remember if it was UCLA they were playing or someone else that yeah. backed up. There were a number of bowl games that didn't happen that year. Uh, like four or five Because of COVID-19 issues yeah. with, with the cancellation or a team just backing out. Um, but Gator that, Bowl was another one is, that canceled. This is a fascinating case because 
now going back in time and looking at that, this was the time where you could just say that, yeah, true or not, and get away with something you didn't want to do, right? I mean, any anywhere, <laughs> any walk of life, you said COVID nineteen concerns, you didn't have to do it, and that's what UCLA did. And now we're going back years later, and there's a lawsuit saying that you couldn't do that. In and fact, it, you owe us money. And it's for this. It, it's the timing of it, the eleventh hour timing of it, and the 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 fact that they just no-showed, right? Yeah. And they're citing the fact that they could have played the game, much like NC State was going to play the game. Dave, you, you're adding more on this? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the several other games that were canceled. Those were usually days in advance. We're talking or, the, about, or the bowl game canceled, like the Music City yes. Bowl. Yeah. Yes, but this was five hours before right. kickoff, and the issue was with the defensive line unit for UCLA and – I think they only had three positive tests, so they were just kind of going along like the contact tracing. But the other thing, just to look into this, is just the Pac-12's financial issues that they're already having. We know the TV deal that they're trying to get done is already an issue. So this just kind of adds more fuel to that fire of the financial woes that are hurting that conference. Yeah. And it also, I think, makes it maybe sooner rather than later that a Colorado and others jump ship. I think so. Based and on, I mean, this is just another one of those the, things. I mean, this is a paper cut compared right. to the gash of not being able to get a, a TV deal done, but it's still something else. And they're having to spend money on lawyers <laughs> either way, right? Yeah. I mean, it's but they not, were threatening to do that yeah. if they if Oregon didn't get their pay payout. It's, it's a mess. It's quite the move by the Holiday Bowl did not announce their date or time for kickoff, which uh, would have happened, I believe, yesterday or the day prior. And I do they, not blame the Holiday Bowl one bit no. for being upset about this. Chad, the Cheez-It Bowl is now the Pop-Tart Pop-Tarts Bowl. Huge upgrade from um, a snack standpoint. So From Cheez-Its to, to Pop-Tarts. Not even close. Pop-Tarts. Superior Far food. superior. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm weird. I like unfrosted Pop-Tarts more than I like Cheez-Its. I am with, I'm you. with you. I'm the, with you on the Cheez-Its. Uh, Cheez-Its are further down the list for me on uh, snack food. So, Pop-Tart in the morning, my go-to growing up. People think I'm weird, Hutton, on how I consume my Pop-Tarts, but I put a little piece of butter right in the middle of each one of them and microwave them and heat them up and let the butter melt over it, then spread the butter over the top of it. And if you get the non-frosted cherry, Mm -hmm. is my favorite to do that with. Strawberry. It's magnifique with a little butter on it. But people think I'm crazy when I do that because most people just put their Pop-Tarts, obviously, in the toaster and let them pop. Right. Yeah, or I just... It's the popping sensation. Right out of the box. Hence the pop. I don't even dog. need it warm. You just go straight in? Yeah, I just grabbed it on the way out to catch the bus growing up after feeding the cows. I, I don't think... I didn't, I, I didn't want to wake up earlier to have breakfast, so I just grabbed a pop. I've maybe done that, you know, once <laughs> or twice. I, I heard you talking about this, where you now have just trained your body to not want I don't, breakfast. I'm not really hungry when I wake up. Because as a kid, you didn't eat breakfast? Yeah, I saved 10 minutes. I had to wake up at like 5.45 or something. The bus, the bus ran at like 6.15. Like I was, I was the first stop on their route, I guess. And um, uh, dude, when you had that bus route where you were on the bus the yeah. longest amount of time, that was the worst. And my parents worked out of the county, like out of like two a two hour drive and a one hour drive for each of them. So on days where they both worked, I had to catch the bus, and I would sleep in an extra ten minutes. I could wake up at six, then go feed the cows, and then catch the bus and have the pop tart in my backpack. So I would eat that on the way to uh, to school. To save time. That's how I, lazy I was. I can't up. even remember a time where I just went dry on a Pop Tart. Just no, <laughs> no, 
no heat, nothing. Just pulled a pop tart out of that little Whoa. plastic sleeve and started eating it. Never, it's all, it's never all you done need. that. It's all you need. It gets the job done. I'm telling you, butter, microwave, pop tarts. Uh, That's how you go. By show of hands in the studio, pop tarts or Cheez Its? Let's go Cheez Its first. We got so one. We, is one it a landslide? It. Just one. Everyone else is pop tarts. Uh, here's the other question for me. Why, show, do, why does Kellogg's who's smart in the studio? Now. Why does Kellogg's need to advertise Pop Tarts? What's in it for? Like at this point, why do you need the Pop Tart Bowl? It's a good. It's a good question. Why does Cheez Its need to advertise Cheez Its? It's like Kleenex. It's 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 uh, a tissue. It's a tissue, but we call it a Kleenex. You can manufacture a different version of a Pop Tart, but it's still a Pop Tart no matter what brand it is because they own that lane. Yeah. I don't know why you have to spend money to advertise a Pop-Tart. So there is a, um, a terrific special going on. History Channel is on all weekend. For a bowl but it's, game. it's the food that made, made America or something like yeah. that. And it's all about like... Uh, it's a good show. Yeah, there's a new batch of them now where the first one was like Coca-Cola and different things. But now it was Totino's Pizza Rolls and the start of that in the 1970s and, and these other things. But... If you can get to the point where your brand is the food and it's just synonymous, like pizza rolls, that was Totino's calling it that, right? Eventually, it was Totino's frozen pizzas meshing with the guy who invented the pizza roll and then it became the pizza roll and that's what it is. I'm with you on Pop-Tarts. I think they just have an advertising budget and they decide, well, we're going to spend the bulk of our money on this bowl game now. Instead of other ways of advertising, well, so I think and they're going to use it one way or the other. Like I, I think it makes sense. Like if it's Valero, you're like, oh, what is that? You know, like yeah. You, but kind of know what a pop tart is, right? If you're sponsoring a bowl, if you're backing the bowl, it's to get name recognition and branding. Well, how much? How much? And if, run how much does, more branding does a Kellogg's Pop Tart need? Well, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, as an example. Yeah, but that's how much more run do they get with the Mayo bath at the end of it for the winning coach? Yeah. You know, like that—that that is Duke's, something that we now expect and remember. Yeah, but you're—they're I mean, in a lane where they're competing against Heinz, right? Yeah, or the, the brand of that. So they—they're putting their brand with the product. Um, I'm just saying, like Kellogg's owns this product. No yeah, matter, it, no, it, it's like uh, Mr. Pibb or Dr. Pepper. Mr. Pibb needs to advertise. Dr. Pepper doesn't need to. Yeah, I guess it's uh, toaster strudels. Your move now. Which what bowl game are you going to sponsor to compete with Pop Tarts? Too much effort. What, what is the Pop Tart main competitor? Toaster strudels? Yeah, uh, Cheez Its, apparently. Yeah, That's the bowl they're taking over. True. What are they paying? Do we know that? What is the Pop Tart bowl paying? I'm, I'm just going to go on a limb and say too much. <laughs> I, I think that we're, when we know that when we hear the number, we're going to say that is ridiculous that someone pays that money just to have their name attached to a bowl game. You, can, you know, a t shirt cannon. Instead of that, you can just throw out Pop-Tarts. Uh, there's uh, endless. I saw someone say that they should, you know, like the Duke's Mayo Bowl, mm. they should make the, the winning coach bathe in the s'mores creation on the inside of the s'mores okay. Pop-Tart. You could have some sort of concoction they jump into, a vat of the s'mores filling of the Pop-Tart. Lots of possibilities. Chad, um, always possibilities whenever you have Urban Meyer on talking about how to win, right? Uh, he... It has his his layout, his top three or four things that he you know feels is necessary to win at a high level as a head coach in college. Well, he, he 
was on with Dockett. He and uh, Dan are, are good friends. And Urban Meyer is answering a question here about name, image, likeness, and about collectives and how he would describe what collectives in college football right now actually are. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely curious about this because I don't know the answer. How did the term collective or how did the collectives oh. get started? How did it get started? I don't know. I, and, and I'm not saying it's all that way, but from my understanding, it's called it's a it's a fancy word for cheating. I, I don't know, Dan. I, I once again, I was removed from that. So when I hear that word, I kind of cringe right now. And I and I hear the stories behind it. They're going to go to donors and boosters and ask them for a lot of money, put them in a big pot, and then decide who gets that money based on ability level coming out of which is, I mean, I think it's. 1A of the rule of NIL. You can't do that. You know, it, it, it's, and here's the other thing, Urban, at least here in Indiana, I got these idiots, they're called Hoosier hysterics, that get mad because I'm not, I'm not giving money for it. I, I'm not, I, I, I live my whole life not breaking rules and I'm not all of a sudden. But it, my point is, it isn't even underground it, it, it's it's out there people talk about collectives urban it's not even like a secret you know it, it's 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 public all the time well there's like it's a toothless organization right now the nca they know what's going on i mean all you gotta do is pick up the paper or talk to people in the business and i know very closely firsthand that uh, i had a buddy that was recruiting a guy and he, he had it it was over and then also another the school offered him five hundred thousand dollars he went back to his collective and said i need five hundred thousand dollars they said we don't have it they lost the player i mean i don't i don't know other than saying you know <laughs> that, that's not what the intent was there's urban meyer on with don't at me and, and dan dockage everything that he's saying there is not just completely bs but coming no. I understand the frustration behind the demand for the money, which is happening. Um, but cheating is, it's not just another word for cheating. Uh, it's actually legal. And it's allowed because of the NCAA not stepping forward and leading the efforts to corral what is now out of the gate and unfenced. Well, in collectives, it's not... Yes, that does go on. Hey, I'm getting su such and such money from this school. Can you help me get this? But collectives, the intent is they have business partners also. So you are asked to endorse their business partners and or show up to events that the collective puts yeah. on. It's not – I get it. It's I understand funnel. what he's saying. It is pay for play, but it's also they sort of get around that by – it's not technically pay for play. It's pay to show up at these events or pay to help out the collective, and then you playing for the school is what we ultimately want. And you get paid and a certain amount benefit, because of the school. But we're not paying you for that. We're giving you hundred grand, so you show up at these 10 yeah. events a year, and you post these things on social media about our business partners and do this, this, and right. this. Yeah. So it's, it's a workaround for it. And I refuse to believe that Urban Meyer, in all of his years of coaching at Florida, winning national championships, and Ohio State winning it all, that he never had a workaround with some booster or someone where guys were getting paid. I'm sorry, Urban. Maybe you didn't hand them the cash 
but don't play dumb and naive with me. This goes on at every level of major college football. All of a sudden, he's Dabo? I don't know specifically <laughs> that he is a quote-unquote, you know, this word cheater in sports and college sports. I don't know that he is that. Right. But I can guarantee you that things happened at Florida and Ohio State. One thing that happened while he was at Florida was he harbored a serial killer in Aaron Hernandez and uh, let the guy have about 15 strikes while on campus. That certainly didn't help his development and not really facing punishment, continuing to play while at Florida. And uh, lives were lost because of that. So give me a break. I mean, come on, dude. When he left coaching the first time, when I really started to get irked by Urban Meyer was when I watched him on, I think it was ESPN at the time or wherever he went initially, and he had the audacity to sit there and be as pious as possible about everything. Oh, this is a coach that doesn't have discipline with his team or doesn't do that. Did you see the police blotter while you were in Gainesville, Florida with your guys? Have you seen some of the issues that you've had? It doesn't all fall on the coach. But also, don't leave that situation and then come back and try to preach to everyone about discipline and what you do with your team and this and that. I mean, give me a break. It's just too much. Urban is too much at times. But now what he's saying here, I, I can understand. It's unfair uh, for the school to can't yeah, pony it's, up. It's, it's mainly, he's mainly right that collectives are there to enhance the athletic department Urban by would keeping be, players Urban there. Urban would be coaching or at a program that would be able to pay that. If Urban was still collective, the coach at Ohio the State, he would be lockstep with their collective. Yes. This is this is or, or any collective, any team. Yeah, he, he would not and he would pull a Nick Saban if he was getting outbid by Michigan. Mm-hmm. He would go on the speaking surrogate and he would petition everyone to help out with the collective because they're getting beat for players because of the collective somewhere else. So I just with with him, it's difficult to buy. Aaron Rodgers is the king of New York. That's the story at Outkick.com from Armando Salguero. He joins us next on Hot Mike. Always love Thursdays uh, at this time when we get a chance to we go uh, seaside, at least today we do, with Armando Salguero, outkick.com, enjoying the uh, so perfect weather. So relaxing. Time to talk some NFL headlines and more. Armando, good to see you, man. Whew. It's hot out here in the, um, on the ocean. It really is. No breeze it's, it's coming hot. in today. No, no ocean breeze today. Just no, no ocean breeze. Uh, staying out of the water, sharks. So you know that's how it, that's how it's rolling today. Armando living like uh, royalty uh, down south. Meanwhile, it is good to be king, and the undisputed king in New York is who, Armando? Well, it used to be Derek Jeter, right? Yeah, and uh, you know that was. Without doubt. And then Derek Jeter, you know, went by the wayside. And now it's Aaron Rodgers. Without doubt. The the dude has arrived in uh, Gotham, what, five weeks ago? And he's been out, man about town, 
gone to Knicks games, Devils games, Rangers games. Uh, you know, I, I'd mentioned the Nets, but they weren't in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, you know, and this week, this weekend, rather, he was at the, you know, Taylor Swift concert. He's a Swifty. The dude's a Swifty. Who knew? At MetLife Stadium. And um, yeah, he, he is everywhere. And the paparazzi are everywhere with him. And he's been on the back page more times probably than any football player has a right to be in April and May. Uh, and so he's, it's his town now. And, and his team. What do you make of what they've done this offseason around Rodgers to I mean, contend for a Super Bowl? That's what this is about. Where do you put them in the pecking order? Right. So I did a, a breakdown, 1 to 32, or rather 32 to 1, so that people would actually get to the end of the best, the worst to best teams in the NFL. And I believe I had the Jets somewhere around 10, yeah. 11. Yep. So they're, they're a good team. They're a team that needs certain luck to fall their way. And by that, I mean they do need Brees Hall to get healthy and stay healthy. They were 5-2 and two with their leading running back healthy last year. And then he blew out his knee, and all of a sudden they were two and eight. And so that that tells you that he's kind of important to them. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers changes the dynamics of that defense, but with that change, it puts pressure on their two tackles, the right tackle, the left tackle. And both of those guys are question marks. At left tackle, you've got Dwayne Brown. And he's 37 years old, and he's coming off an injury uh, plagued year where he played 12 games, but he was never really healthy. He's recovering from a rotator cuff uh, surgery. So they need him to be healthy. And they need Makai Becton at right tackle, first of all, to accept the fact that he's a right tackle rather than a left tackle. And second of all, to stop you know, eating himself out of playing time and <laughs> into injuries. He was at four bills, uh, and by four bills, I mean 400 pounds at one point. He hasn't, he's only played two games since 2020. Think about that. Yeah. And so he needs to be healthy so that those two guys, the 37-year-old and the guy that's never in the lineup, can protect the 39-year-old quarterback who will be 40 in December. So talk about needing everything to go right so that you are in the playoffs in January. Who knew that our segment about putting butter on Pop-Tarts was a perfect segue <laughs> to Makai Becton talk uh, of the Jets. Armando, when you see DeAndre Hopkins available now for, for any team, he's out there ready to sign with someone. What is the best landing spot for him, in, in your opinion, where do you think he ultimately lands, and do those two come together where you, you think he may end up at the spot you think he should end up at that's best for both sides? So let's, let's go down the list of some of the teams that have been mentioned in connection to DeAndre Hopkins. The Jets are out. 
that they're not in this thing at all. They they like their wide receiver group. Robert Sala said as much yesterday, and they're not going in that direction. They can't afford it anyway. So they're out. The Buffalo Bills would like DeAndre Hopkins as a number two and, and a help to Josh Allen, and it makes sense there, but they don't have the salary cap space initially anyway. And this, this is going to be important because does DeAndre Hopkins, is his mindset one that, hey, I, I just, I've been paid a lot of money in the NFL. I want to win a championship, so I want to play with a good team that has a good quarterback and a good chance to win the Super Bowl? Or is his mindset, I need to get paid maximum dollars and whatever team wins that raffle is the team that gets me regardless. If his mindset is about winning now, Kansas City, Buffalo maybe, um, you know, obviously he has a thought that Cleveland might want him because of his ties to Deshaun Watson. If his mindset is money, 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 which I don't, you know, it, that's his right, then he's going to end up with, you know, a situation that's probably not as fruitful come January postseason time, but we'll get him paid a little bit more. And I got to tell you this. I don't think anyone is going to break the bank on Diop, Andre Hopkins. That Those days are long past. We're talking here five, six, eight million dollars tops on a one-year deal for him. In my opinion, based on what I've been told by people around the league, there's not going to be a 20 million, 22 million, 23 million dollar contract for DeAndre Hopkins. Even so not even here, I mean. so not even Odell Beckham Jr. money. I I don't think I don't think he's that guy anymore he was never really the down the field dynamic threat he was always you know he's gonna catch 100 balls maybe yeah and he's gonna get you you know 1200 yards but he was never the 17 16 yards per catch guy what does he do specifically for the browns if that's the landing spot to reunite with deshaun watson how, how does how does deandre hopkins change that team's fortunes well, it helps. Amari Cooper is recovering from abdominal surgery. So, you know, that that is a plus. He obviously has a built-in um, bond with the quarterback because Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins played in Houston together. So that helps. Um, look, he's going to take a couple of trips, and it'll soon be clear to him that everybody wants him at their price. And then it'll be up to him to decide who wants me at my price. That list is very short. And then it'll be up to him to decide, is that what drives me? Or is winning a championship and the possibility of that the thing that drives me? You know, and whenever he mentioned, Armando, the the structure, you know, the organizational structure, uh, of course, he's he's discussing Arizona, but also where he was traded from in Houston at the time, I have to think that doesn't include just taking the biggest paycheck 
and going back to Houston. You know, and I, I've seen the Texans being mentioned there. I'm kind of surprised that that name has even surfaced. It doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Same. And moreover, it doesn't make any sense to me if I'm the Houston Texans. Mm. The Houston Texans are going to be starting a rookie quarterback at some point this season, if not right off the bat in C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is going to make a lot of mistakes. Why? Because rookie quarterbacks, when they start their careers in the NFL, generally make a lot of mistakes. And so do the Texans want to put Stroud in the same huddle with a wide receiver who's, you know, a, a grizzled veteran at this point and is going to demand that his quarterback see the field, see everything, and more importantly than anything, see him and get him the ball. It, it doesn't I, – I don't see that as a, as a good match other than the idea that he played in Houston once upon a time. Armando Salguero with this. You mentioned your, your, your team rankings, uh, the big board, 32 down to one. Can I tell you my biggest surprise? And I, I, don't necessarily, sure. I don't necessarily disagree, but based on where you have the Baltimore Ravens, you have them as one of the contending Super Bowl favorites on your end. I, I don't think the majority of those covering the league put the Ravens in that same category. And I think you had them fourth or fifth, maybe, maybe third. I think it was fourth or fifth. And I was surprised to see Baltimore so high. That's fair. Um, you know, and obviously, as with everything else, it has to do with luck mm -hmm. and durability. If OJ, uh, Odell Beckham, I almost said OJ, uh, <laughs> Odell Beckham stays healthy, who hasn't been healthy, by the way. If Lamar Jackson stays healthy, despite the fact that he hasn't been healthy, by the way. They're not going to be a whole lot. But even with Lamar, Jack Lamar Jackson missing most of December last year, uh, you know, they still won nine, ten games, was it? <laughs> uh, they're putting in an actual NFL offense this year, one that is designed to get Lamar Jackson to win from the pocket. I believe he can do it. I believe he's dynamic. And John Harbaugh, everybody knows, is one of the top five coaches in the NFL. And so if those things come together, you know, why not? It's June 1st. That is a significant date for contracts across the National Football League. You had the post this morning. Number one player to watch is Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. Explain the money that can be saved for a June 1st, post-June 1st release and why it's significant for 32 clubs right now. Right, so his base salary right now is $10 million and change. And I say change when it's two, $300,000, okay? So maybe $10.4 let's call it. The Minnesota Vikings don't want to pay that for a running back. They've asked Dalvin Cook to take a pay cut. He has politely told them to go kick rocks on the pay cut idea. And so they've been trying to trade him 
no one wants to pay Dalvin Cook $10.4 million in base salary. And that's what would be required if you're trading for the guy because you assume his contract. After June 1st, a team that cuts a player saves way more against the cap than it does if it cuts the same player prior to June 1st. And so if the Vikings cut Dalvin Cook now, they save $9 million against the cap and it leaves $5 million in dead money. Whereas two days ago, it would have been a savings of $5 million against the cap savings, but it cost them $9 million in dead money for a player that's no longer on the team. The reason all of this is important is everybody in the NFL, all the institutional media is reporting that tomorrow or the next day, the Vikings are going to cut Dalvin Cook and do him a solid and let him go be a free agent somewhere. And what I wrote is, if they really want to play hardball, if they want to do what is really actually best for them, they should keep him up until and through training camp to see if someone other than themselves has some sort of extra need at running back. There are injuries in training camp, so maybe a team that isn't willing to trade for him now does come to him. And if they want, keep him all of the way up to the moment where they have to cut down to the 53-man roster limit. And at that point, Dalvin Cook as a free agent, his market will be, as a $10 million running back, practically zero. So they can make the point to him, hey, let's let's figure this out now. Take the pay cut, maybe take $5 million off, because if we cut you the day of the final cuts, you're going to be making $2 million a year instead of $10 million this year. And that's an $8 million pay cut, not a, a 5 or $4 million pay cut. If the Vikings are business assassins, they can do that. And it would make sense. I've seen teams that have done that to players, and it's worked. So it's up to the Vikings on how they approach this. Armando, I want to go back to your, your team rankings. You can read it at outkick.com. And, and I don't have a problem with this, just an observation. I really enjoyed this on, piece, by I, the I way. Did, I did too. But one thing that really jumped out to me was your 27th ranked team, the Los Angeles Rams. And I just thought, wow, they won the Super Bowl, not last year, but the year before. It was that quick, right? Yeah. They won yeah. the Super Bowl, not this past one, but the year before. And how the mighty have fallen off a cliff quickly when you think about that team uh is it surprising to you how quickly we've gone from you know bleep those picks <laughs> to you know we need some draft picks we need some higher draft picks now we'd, we'd like those picks back uh they're in full on reset with the exception of their quarterback and cooper cup and aaron donald uh outside of those three guys <laughs> You know, Jalen Ramsey, he's no longer there. He's with the Miami Dolphins now. Uh, Bobby Wagner, who came last year, he's back in Seattle. Um, Floyd is gone. Leonard Floyd's gone. 
yes. Uh, I mean, their offensive line is really not a whole lot better, if better at all, than last year. And they got uh, Matthew Stafford killed last year. And then they got the next guy killed last year to the point where Baker Mayfield, who was, you know, on Carolina, he was on Carolina one day in December. He was on the Rams the next day. And that week he was playing. So they went through some quarterbacks. Allen Robinson, that experiment failed. The team that won the Super Bowl, that team doesn't exist anymore. They have the same, uh, you know, mascot. They play in the same stadium. They're wearing the same colors and uniforms. But that's not the same Super Bowl team anymore. Armando, let's go off the beaten path a bit here but it's right down your lane. What are the chances the Miami Heat win the NBA title? Better than 3%. Okay. And the reason reason I say that is ESPN gave the Heat a 3% chance to beat the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the Heat took that 3% and knocked out three consecutive wins to start the series. And granted, they survived that series. Guess what? That's what a finals is supposed to be, survival. Yep. Except for, obviously, Denver that, you know, they they rolled. But the point is, that team, the, the most impressive thing about that team is they lost on an improbable, crazy, controversial play in game six at home. And walking off that court, they weren't dejected. They weren't downcast. They were pissed off. And they wanted to start all over again right then and there. And the reason I know that is Eric Spolstra said, let's go right now. (laughs) We're ready. Yeah. That's what he said in his press conference. So they come out in game seven in Boston and they wipe the floor yep. with the superior, talented Boston Celtics with all of their championships from the 50s hanging from the Raptors and championships from the 80s hanging from the Raptors. Guess what? The Heat have a few championships hanging from the Raptors, too. And they've got Pat Riley. And they have arguably the best culture in all of sports, not the NBA, all of sports. Wow, that's a big statement. Yeah, and I mean, th- th- this is what their seventh NBA Finals appearance since 2006, which was their first. They've won game one on the road throughout this entire series. The Nuggets are unbeaten at home, unbeaten at home during the playoffs. It's an interesting matchup for game one tonight. And they didn't have a single gun flash at a strip club. Not one. All, all year. Not one gun. No. Zero guns flash. They were able to stay over in Denver year, and so, had no issues. You know, it's the small so, victories sometimes. True story about the Heat. They you just mentioned they won their first championship in 2006. I got married in 2006. I was on my honeymoon in Israel. And like I would wake up at three in the morning. <laughs> To watch the Miami Heat That's play, awesome. I think I don't even remember who it was that they beat for the championship with Shaq and Dwayne Wade when he was normal. Um, <laughs> it was it was like I'm I'm you know in Israel on my honeymoon and it's like honey, get me the you know 
get me the remote. And of course, it's in Hebrew, the telecast. So all I know was a dunk by Shaq. That, yep. That's all I know. That's all you needed to know. Language. It was a dunk uh, by Shaq. Uh, you beat the Mavs in 2006 in a six-game series. Cool. Uh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Hey, great stuff today. And as always, always great at Outkick.com. Love having you on, man. Have a great week, rest of the week and weekend. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. Armando Salguero there. Um, coming up, a segment we will call At Least You Tried. We're not big on participation trophies, but we've got some examples of people who maybe deserve one based on these massive fails. That's next on Hot Mike. Six the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with you for Hot Mike. Hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel. Search out Outkick there. Hit the subscription button. Join us in the chat. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. Also, give a thumbs up to this uh, great radio partner if you're listening right now across the Outkick network. Chad, uh, a segment that we're calling At Least They Tried. Think about this as a which of these two deserves a participation trophy. Um, one place, if you're searching for me, that I'm not, not likely to be found is in a gym. Uh, so I can't be critical of, uh, of what we're about to see here, because at least she tried. There's a woman who falls down on a treadmill. Her leggings get caught and, and an all-time epic gym fail uh, while trying to uh, save herself. The, it's, this is uh, uh, caught on camera, and it's... The An best, all-time fail. The best part of the video is the woman that's walking at a slow pace across <laughs> from her. And I've never seen that in a gym where it, it appeared like they're facing each other. Normally, like, everything is... Yeah. And maybe that's a, <clears throat> maybe that's a mirror that I'm, I'm missing here. But she's facing her, and she has to get off her machine to go... I love this so much. ...wander this is... over and then runs back to her spot once she oh. sees that she got up. Oh, she's up! I'll, I'll head back to my, so, my machine know, now. Like, you know they have the guards on like the uh, escalators going up the escalators? With, like the uh, looks like brushes or whatever? Yeah. That's to keep your like uh, address from getting caught in like this happening on an escalator. Uh, that's essentially what happened to this woman where the leggings get caught and she's caught with her pants off, down. Off goes the pants. <laughs> and then the woman that was uh, coming to help her just said, nope, you're good. I, you got this. And then, you know, a scene from Grand Theft Auto uh, or Dukes of Hazard. your call. But police are already making a, a traffic stop. And uh, this is a cell phone footage or body cam footage. There is a truck on the side and a, a car barrels through off the ramp of the truck and hurdles it um, on the opposite side of the interstate. Um, that almost looked like it was like he, the, the driver meant to do that. Reportedly, they, they survived this. Um, but it was like a Dukes of Hazard slash Grand Theft Auto, where the, the truck bed, like the tow truck, uh, that would like haul a, a couple different cars to a car dealership, right? It's down. Yeah. And the car barrels through, hurdles the truck, and it then uses it as a ramp. But what? goes through the the median and flips. I'm confused why the truck is set up that way. 
on the road. Well, it looks like they're with. about to tow a car or something because it's a there, there's already a police stop happening, and it's almost like they they uh, put the like bed the down to either... pull the to pull the car that they're going to tow up the ramp, but then they there's no car there, thankfully. But it's almost like they they didn't even see a car in front of them. They're just cruising yeah. along on the interstate at a yeah. high rate of speed, and they hit a ramp. Participation trophy to me goes to the woman in the gym. Um, yeah, she was getting after it. She was she was sprinting. That was not a slow pace. She was how do you react? At. How do you react to that? Luckily for her, there was only like two or three other people in the gym. Do you just play it off like, oh, no one saw this, um, or do you just like tuck your head and head home for the day or back to work? I mean, she had underwear on. And, uh, it's like a swimsuit. The the face the face burns on the cheek. She also gets dragged down the conveyor belt. There it looked painful. Really bad. Hey, uh, the 49ers have their quarterback, and it's not the current leader in the locker room. That's next.